Hello, and welcome back to the Quacked Out Pod. I am Charlie, joined by Reed. The Ducks are in between their two easiest games of the entire season, but we still have things to talk about. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Reed, how are you doing on this fine Wednesday? I am doing good. Uh, Oregon keeps rolling pretty much. It is nice to be in this stretch of less uh, anxiety-inducing games for sure. That is a great way to put it. Um, the other way to put it would be that we have the two worst teams in the Pac-12 uh, sandwiched <laughs> in between this week. I, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but Cal is the only team that has lost to Colorado, which is by all accounts the absolute worst team in the Pac-12. Um, so maybe predictably, we won't be going too deep on the Cal post game or the Colorado preview. We'll still cover them, obviously, but I mean, there's other things to talk about. Most notably, Reed, uh, the playoff rankings. Five Pac-12 teams in these initial playoff rankings, including the Ducks, the highest at eight, because, of course, why, why would we be anywhere else? Um, same as the AP poll. Same goes for USC. They're at number nine. And then, obviously, like UCLA, Utah in the early teens, Oregon State jumping in at 23. Good for the Beavers. Um, what did you make of these rankings? What was your initial reaction? Maybe even outside of Pac-12 stuff, like, what were you thinking when these dropped? Yeah, I'll start with the Pac-12. I, I thought it was a pretty good showing for the Pac-12. I mean, I think that there are some gripes that could be made about UCLA and Utah, whether they're a spot too low or something. But the big thing was Oregon slotting in at eighth. I think it's always unpredictable with these uh, initial committee rankings. Like as much as I thought that it made sense for Oregon to be at eight. And in some ways it feels like it's kind of the only place it makes sense for Oregon to be. I wasn't completely sure, uh, especially given that variable of the loss to Georgia, but I was happy to see that the committee saw it that way. I think some interesting things are just, you know, the committee has a really weird process for doing these rankings where they kind of go four teams at a time and compare these these teams directly and it results in them using like picking and choosing what metrics they want to favor based mm -hmm. on evaluating a given cluster of teams um so an interesting example of that is like usc and utah a lot of people would think you know they have the lsu old miss result just if right in that same range and lsu beat old miss despite having two losses they get ranked ahead of old miss so you would think maybe that USC would be ranked a spot behind Utah because despite Utah having two losses, they have the head-to-head -head win there as well. I think that it's just the way the committee does this. There was too much separation, so they never really evaluated those teams in the same bracket. Uh, and because of that, there is a separation there. But I'm not too upset about it. I think that Utah is around a top 15 team. Uh, I don't feel, I don't know. I, I, I feel confident that UCLA, Utah, all these teams could compete with the cluster there around the old misses and Kansas States and LSUs, but I don't feel, you know, incredibly confident one way or the other that the Pac-12 teams would blow those teams out or would not mm -hmm. be able to compete. What do you think? I mean, the one that jumped out to me the most is something you mentioned was LSU and Ole Miss being as high as they were. Um, I mean, Oregon-USC would be expected to be a close game. I think I would take the Ducks against either of those SEC teams on a neutral field. Um, but, I mean, that's not a relevant conversation anyways. 
as you can see, I'm already doing it with myself. Like there's two ways I usually think about rankings in general. Um, and I, we've, we've talked about this as well in the past. Like for me, it's kind of a struggle between what would Vegas say about the two teams ranked next to each other and the, versus like who's most deserving, right? Those, those are kind of the two main heads that butt uh, within my own head um, when it regards ranking. So, for example, like Tennessee is number one right now. I, I have a hard time saying they don't deserve to be number one. I mean, <laughs> that win over Bama is insane. I mean, that's the best win I think anyone really has all year. Uh, I guess some would say Georgia's over Oregon is more impressive. But anyways, um. Like, I can see the argument for Tennessee being, like, one or two. Ultimately, like, it doesn't really matter because, obviously, Tennessee and Georgia played this weekend, so we'll know what, who the better team is there. Um, but, like, the biggest gripe I see tradi more traditional college football fans having uh, with the Vegas sort of model is that a team can lose – uh, you know, Oregon is a great example of this, actually. A team can get blown out, like have a terrible game, and still be a big point spread over, say, an undefeated team. Like, Oregon right now would be a favorite over TCU in Vegas. Don't don't get it twisted. TCU has played against three uh, backup quarterbacks and even one backup, backup of a backup in their three, like, biggest wins. Um, that's not to say they don't deserve to be up there. I mean, they're 8-0, right? Um, but in general, that's just kind of how I think about t things. And I wanted to use that as an explanation of something you mentioned already, which was the committee kind of picks and chooses which metrics to use in, in which, you know, in certain scenarios. Um, I think the main gripe a lot of football fans have with that is that this is the same thing the fans do, right? They can, like, we can see right through the facade. This is supposed to be some faceless, like, deity's ranking of the football teams and we just have to accept it like it's canon uh when in reality everybody knows that the rankings are being made pretty much the same way that people have dumb arguments on twitter uh you kind of just use whatever ammo you can find that works for your team and i mean i'm sure there it's less biased in that playoff room but i mean at the end of the day it's kind of refreshing to not really worry about playoff rankings yet um the same way we were last year. But as a reference to that, last year when the first playoff rankings came out, how many Pac-12 teams were ranked? Do you remember? Oh, my God. Um, maybe three? I don't know. How about one? Really? <laughs> one. It was Oregon. That was it. Right, because Utah um, started the season so bad. and Yeah, so Utah crept yeah. into 24 in, in the second week of the rankings. They crept in at six and three and slowly worked their way up. But uh, yeah, not great for the Ducks or not great for the rest of the conference at that point. Um, it is good that the conference has turned it around since then. I mean, you have as many ranked teams as the SEC uh, and ACC, actually. That's kind of surprising. But anyways, good for the conference. Good for the Ducks for being ranked so high, I guess. We'll see how it pans out in the end. Um, speaking of the end of the season, do you want to do this discourse now? Like, I know I've asked you this probably twice already on the pod. Do you want to make the playoff or no? I am. I'm excited to make the playoff if I feel like we have a like caliber of team capable yeah. of winning the next five games or next four games. Same. 
Yeah. Do you think uh, we have that right now? I or oh, okay, you're just waiting to see on the next four games. Yeah, that's kind of how I'm at. Like, I think that that's how I felt about 2019 too. Like, if they were if they had been good enough to run the table there, I would have been interested to see like what they did if they had a chance not that i would have expected them to win or compete with 2019 lsu but like i think they would have earned that opportunity and oregon's lucky enough to have like some rose bowls that we can watch on replay if the college football playoff game doesn't go well to comfort ourselves like it's not like a once in a lifetime opportunity to go to the rose bowl even though it's important uh and should be valued i think that like if this team can run through it and get to a playoff spot i think that's worth something i think just forgetting about like the line that all the national media members keep repeating about the pac-12 has only had two playoff teams I think getting past that drought would be good for the conference. Uh, And I think depending who Oregon played, uh, maybe they could have a somewhat competitive showing, you know, not lose by more than 30 or something, which is like all you can ask for, I guess. Um, And so I'm, I'm interested enough in it. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I I don't know if we're there yet, but I mean, if we can really run through the back end of the schedule, I think we'll be fine. Or I, I think I'll be prepared to to go to the playoff. Um, by the way, I mean, one more time, just looking at Oregon's schedule real quick, what we've done so far this season. The more I look at these early season games that we kind of struggled with, um, or at least thought might be competitive, like BYU and Wazoo mainly, um, those are not good teams. BYU's gotten exponentially worse as the season has gone on they are unequivocally a bad team mm-hmm. um wazoo i mean they looked they've looked terrible really since that oregon game uh and then the following week they played cal and that's their last win was week five and it's it, we're coming up now in week 10 um i the more i look at this the more this kind of gulf emerges between georgia and ucla i do think the team has grown in that time but even so, I mean, if you lined up UCLA and Georgia right now, I, I think we all know how we would expect that game to go. Um, and then Cal Colorado were obviously both pushovers. Like uh, We've talked all season about how these last three games are going to be wildly important um, and, wa- and vastly different from like a uh, ratings perspective than the other ones. Um, but I think that's only grown as this season has gone on. Um, it's become more extreme. Obviously, Oregon State, like we mentioned, is a top 25 team in the eyes of both the AP and College Football Playoff. Uh, Utah is still ranked, still very good. UW, very much on the fringe of the playoff. I think they're uh, they're like 26th in the Athletic uh, 131. I'm only met- referencing that because I have it on my sheet here. Yeah, and we'll see how they do. The AP too. Oh yeah. Uh, and we'll see how they do against the Beavers on Friday. That should be an entertaining one. So that'll kind of give us a gauge as to what we're working with here these last three weeks. But even so, I mean, the jump from this Colorado game upcoming to UW, even at home, is going to be vastly different. I mean, UW is a competent football team, and I really can't say that about Colorado. Um, and I can really only half say that about Cal. Let, let's get this recap out of the way, shall we? Um Cal is tough. They're really, really tough. 
I mean, they have tough players. They play a tough style of football. <laughs> really, everything about watching Cal football is is difficult. Um, kind of generally, before we get into it, what stood out to you the most from this game? I most the my biggest takeaway was the offense actually being dependable because I'd seen this story with Cal unfold the last three years. Like you said, I mean, tough as one word for it, ugly. Like the games have just always been a slog against Cal, uh, especially under Cristobal the past few years. And going into this, struggling for a quarter, you know, being down midway into the second quarter and finding points and then just being able to create separation that, I mean, once you go up three scores on Cal, the game is over, absolutely over. So that was nice that Oregon was able to actually get there. Uh, and be able to put the way put the game away because of the offense Uh, on the defensive side it was shaky for a bit but they found their footing too I thought you know it was just nice to know Oregon's got like some legit good opponents coming up the final three weeks but it won't be like a trap game loss that I think undoes this Oregon team this year they're not going to lose to a team with a losing record or that's not going to a bowl game that's kind of nice yeah, and a little bit of separation from how we've seen Oregon teams respond in the past to these sort of situations, right? I mean, it was 3-0 to zero for what seemed like forever to start this game. Um, and, I mean, how many times have we seen random Oregon teams in the past just peel off bad drive after bad drive or just mistake after mistake um, in a game like this to end up losing it? I mean, see Arizona State, you know, that you already referenced. See any of these other losses we take every year. Um so I was very, very excited and happy to see the Ducks go, uh, what is it, one, two, three, four, five, six touchdowns uh, after that shaky start with only like a couple, I think three drives in there weren't um, resulting in touchdowns. So, And even so, I mean, the Ducks were moving the ball very well and just making mistakes at the end of drives, whether it was missing on fourth down there was a drop pass by Franklin that obviously turns into an interception. Can't really put that one on Bo. There's the the Chris Hudson drop that could have been a touchdown. Um, there was the turnover on downs on a fourth and one, which I think is like the first time Oregon's truly been stopped on fourth down this season, um, especially out of Jumbo, which was it was disappointing to see for sure. Um, but I think this might be the right time for this sort of game for this team. Uh, You need a little bit of adversity to overcome at some points in the season. We talked about it with the Wazoo game. Uh, We talked about having a difficult opponent stand up uh, with UCLA. But in this game, I mean, yeah, sure. Did the Ducks start poorly? Of course. But Cal was playing decently. Um, Other than that atrocious Jack Plummer interception on the first series of the game, um, and other than their entire offensive line, and Cal's a good team. Jaden Ott is legit. Like, if you replace Jaden Ott, if you put Jaden Ott in Oregon's backfield, I don't think he's doing that much worse than Bucky or Noah. Because um, he's just having no favors done for him with his offensive line. Um, but yeah, overall, I was excited to... I was proud of how the team played, and mostly how they recovered from... Um, I don't know, what was definitely a shaky start. 
Yeah, I think it's just an expectation setting. The line for the game was 17. So Oregon ended up covering and, you know, had a 25-point lead in the fourth quarter, and that kind of is what took it into garbage time. Like, Oregon, you know, after a shaky start, controlled this game thoroughly, and that's, like, what the line is set at. I don't think – I think people expect that Cal's bad and you're supposed to dismantle this team, and – I think Oregon's capable of doing that. I think they could have scored more, obviously, if they kept their foot on the gas or if they got off to a better start. But at the same time, like, what do you expect a top 10 team to do to even a mediocre Cal? Most teams aren't doing that much better than this uh, that aren't, you know, in that top five or six in the country. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, look at, like, what Cal did versus Notre Dame arguably could have won that game. Is Notre Dame great? No, obviously not. But Notre Dame played a competitive game with Ohio State. And going ahead to this weekend, they're only three and a half point underdogs to Clemson. So, mm-hmm. like, take with that what you will. And honestly, that Clemson game, not to go too far, but that's an opportunity for the Pac 12 having had two good performances against Notre Dame to have this comparative data point with the best team in the ACC. Uh, if Notre Dame puts up a good performance, but all that is to say, like there, I think the offense just makes these games so much easier to stretch a margin of victory and to cover these spreads because a lot of teams that like, I go back to comparing this to the 2019 team, and it's hard for me to say that this team is like better than 2019 Oregon was because I view that team as being so complete on defense. And then I also look and say like Justin Herbert was the starting quarterback. There mm-hmm. was so much talent on the offensive line. Uh, the wide receivers were fine. The, you know, the two running backs were solid. Like that feels like a really complete and good football team. And yet I think this team, despite maybe having some more holes at certain spots uh, or especially the defense, you know, not having put up anywhere close to the performance that 2019 group did. This team just makes it feel so much easier to build a lead than I ever felt with the 2019 team. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's weird because like, if you, you know, I guess a good parallel would be if you plug them into like Madden or NCAA 14 and you're going by each of the players, individual overalls, I might say that, you know, the 2019 team probably was better on average, but it just feels like this team gets better results at so much easier. Better coached, you might say. Um, yeah. Certainly. In- <laughs> Offensively, at least. Yeah. And certainly in terms of game management. Right. Um, I've been hearing a lot of people talk about that this week. Landing again wins the middle eight just by a wide margin. Um, again, that's the middle eight minutes of the game very crucial because you can score get the ball back start second half score again you flipped 15 points on someone anyways um yeah this this Oregon team is on a mission like they have a nice I really appreciate this team's mentality so far and it definitely showed in this game um a couple things I mean we've talked about mostly the good so far Something really to be concerned about for you I mean maybe the run game wasn't as good as it usually is uh, I, on the contrary, I think the pass defense was better than we usually see, but, um, 
I don't know, what were the biggest concerns for you? Maybe also injuries, because uh, there were a couple of those in this game. Yeah, biggest concerns, um, I don't know. Honestly, the first half was like, or first quarter and a half was ugly. But, so I would criticize this team's ability to like get up for games and show up early, but they turned that around so well that it's tough to fault them that much for it. I mean, I definitely think you mentioned injuries. Losing Chase Coda is not a great thing. Um, and in general, like, the receivers, I don't think, had a great game uh, at all. You know, obviously, Troy Franklin had the dropped pass that was deflected and ended up an interception that he'd obviously like to have back. And otherwise, no one really had a great performance. Chris Hudson was the lead uh, receiver, you know, of the people who are actually receivers. And otherwise it was a lot of work for Whittington, Bucky Irving and Sean dollars all in the top four and receiving yards in this game. Um, mm -hmm. maybe that has to do with the game plan. Honestly, I didn't pour over this film. That's, you know, with that much of a fine tooth comb, but, uh, I think, yeah, I, I still feel good. Like Bonix has two interceptions, not his fault at all uh the defense i was worried about like i put out a tweet like you know if if cal scores 20 points on you before garbage time you're a bad defense <laughs> it looked like they were heading for that and then they weren't you know so yeah that's a good point i mean the defense did come up with some stops uh even early in the game which i think is the point we are kind of forced to focus on here um the the moments in which oregon the very clearly the ducks were losing early in the game because of a few massive plays you know you can win all the small plays you want but sometimes the massive plays won't go your way and that that'll make the difference in the score um i mean cal th Plummer throws these insane like back shoulder catches uh to sturt event and somebody else down the other sideline in the second quarter and then there's another great catch by sturt event in the back of the end zone for their touchdown for one of their touchdowns um you have obviously the the fourth and one stop the weird pick that wasn't it was more like on franklin than on nicks um just these really odd moments in the game the, the hudson drop on third and 15 which i think i've already mentioned that would have been a touchdown um like these are plays you can't afford to make if you're playing against a really really good team uh the thing is <laughs> playing a really really good team yet uh like maybe that kind of thing will punish us against like Utah or Oregon state uh, or in the Pac-12 championship game. But I mean, right now that that's why I'm okay with having this sort of game right now to see how the team responds, work the kinks out now, you know, don't let anything stupid happen against Colorado. Uh, and then really gear up for these last five games of the season, including, you know, postseason games, uh, maybe six games. I don't know. Uh, probably not, but yeah, overall, I'm very pleased with the performance. Ducks recovered really well, and you should be beating up on a team like this at the end of the day. Uh, and all the advanced numbers are at their usual exponentially good levels for Oregon. Um, so yeah, anything else you want to add on about this one? I think we pretty much hit it well, right? Uh, I mean, it's not a very good team, but you know, despite a slow start, Oregon did everything you could really expect them to do. And I think at least past this game, you know, it was maybe a B plus game. 
Uh, it might have been a worse mm-hmm. performance than that in terms of just Oregon, but it was good enough to beat a team like Cal <laughs> that is like not good at all. Uh, yeah, so big picture, it feels good. Um, we can get to that in a second. Do you want to just wrap this up with players of the game? Yeah, which I'm pretty sure we forgot to do last week, uh, as is our, our custom. <laughs> um, I I mean, Bo Nix is my overall player of the game. I got to give a game ball to Herbert, though, uh, Patrick Herbert. That touchdown run was awesome, or I guess it was a catch, but it was mostly catch and run. Um, that was really fun to see. I believe that's his first touchdown. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. That's mine. Yeah, I I like those two. I'll just split those two with you. Whichever one you want to take, I'll take the other one. Uh, yeah. But... Well, I'll throw Whittington in there too because that was probably my favorite play of the game was his like catch up the middle and then just turns and rams himself into the end zone. Yeah, it's a good point too. He had um, what one a little over one thirty total yards. So that was an impressive game from him. I mean, I like this running back room a lot right now. We've said it before, but the balance of Noah and Bucky and then, you know, Sean Dawes and Jordan James have been really good and complimentary. Yeah. It's funny. I saw a graph on Twitter today. I think it was a Parker stats of war graph, maybe not um, of most explosive uh, running back tandems in the country. Uh, Irving and Whittington lead that pretty handily. And it's funny because number two are FSU's running backs, which as <laughs> astute listeners might remember uh, we're very recently coached by one Kenny Dillingham, uh, Oregon's current offensive coordinator. So it seems like Kenny's doing something right, um, at least with his running back rooms. So that's always good to see. Um, also, yeah, some some fun touchdowns. That's all I have to mention. Also, the last thing, the last question I have for you about this game. Um, do you think Troy Franklin's injury was was fake? <laughs> I think it was a cramp is my guess. It looked like, yeah, but it was pretty funny. I mean, especially given (laughs) the history, obviously of that 2010 game with the force, with the fake injuries, which, you know, of course, and the fact that Tosh Lupoi, our now defensive coordinator was like (laughs) the man at the center of that controversy. Uh, (laughs) It's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, So, all right. Good stuff. Ducks move to seven and one. Cal moves to we, three and five. We need defensive too. Oh, geez. I, I can. Yeah, that side of the ball exists. Go for it. Yeah, I'll go first. I'm gonna go with uh, my guy Brandon Dorless. Uh, just in general, I saw this PFF stat, which was funny, uh, just because it's from <laughs> PFF, but that he had 31 QB hurries on the season and led all Power Five defenders. I did not know that, uh, assuming PFF can be trusted, which is probably never safe to assume. Uh, that's, but, I mean, over a whole season, like, right. I would trust that. Yeah. Exactly. Even if it's, you know, even if some of these numbers are fudged by one or two, that's uh, still impressive, right? They can't fabricate all 31 of those pressures. So, good for <laughs> Dorless. Uh, he is putting in work, um, emerging still as, like, a very – good piece on that defensive line and pushing up to like being I think the caliber of number one defensive line player that we would want him to be um so I'll shout him out uh just because of that stat on the season uh I'll go with his uh D-line partner in DJ Johnson mostly because no one defensive player really stood out to me in this game but also because Johnson had a sack and then he tried to like jump up you know he tried to do like the 
I don't even know what you call it. It's like a break dancing move or something where you like pop yourself up from off your shoulders to your like feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how else to describe that, but Sewell did it at one point last year, I think. But he tried like three different times and he like couldn't wriggle his body like, <laughs> in the right position to do it. Uh, and that was the most entertaining um, part of the d- game defensively for me. So also shout out to Addison for getting an interception, though. That was an athletic play, even if it was kind of thrown like right to him. Um, so good job. Again, defense got some stops. And I think it's safe to say they like fulfilled what we wanted them to on defense, even with that garbage time touchdown or two. Uh, so good job to everyone involved there. Now, let's do Colorado real quick. Um, I mean, there's, this will be the most bare bones preview we do even more so than Eastern Washington because Colorado is unbelievably bad. Um, I know they won one game and because of that, their season is effectively over. Uh, they're mathematically eliminated from bowl season, which was not going to be a realistic possibility anyways. Uh, they have no like rivalry games left. All their games are against teams that are substantially better than them, meaning Oregon, at USC, at UW, and then Utah. Uh, they're, spoiler alert, they're going to lose all four of those. That's that's just the way it's going to go. They're, they already know they're finishing the season 1-11. Um, will they play hard against Oregon? I'm sure they will. So did Eastern Washington. Like I'm, I'm sure it won't matter that much. I don't know if I've ever been more confident heading into a game uh, against an FBS team than I am about Oregon beating up on this Colorado team. Um, yeah, at, at least like we don't have to worry about shouting out key players or different guys like that because there really aren't any. Um, if you don't know, Colorado has had an interim head coach for the past three weeks. Uh, well, depending on when you count, they, they had a bye week during their firing. So, um, yeah, I do you have anything to say about Colorado? They weren't good last year, and all of their top-end talent transferred out. Brennan Rice went yes. to USC, Jarek Broussard went to Michigan State, and Christian Gonzalez went to Oregon. Other than that, like there just is not anything left on this roster that is really worth talking about. Um, I mean, not to, you know, if I really wanted to dig in, like we probably could find someone who's decent but not enough to really make any sort of an impact or scare you if you're an Oregon fan this is like a classic example of the coach speak you know Oregon is playing against themselves on Saturday yes that's never more true than this game (laughs) yeah yeah six Colorado starters and 20 players overall transferred um that's not good (laughs) from a team that wasn't good before then as, as from well. a team like, that we were surprised to learn won four games last season like, they <laughs> seemed worse than that uh so yeah colorado's bad that's all you really need to worry about um this is i mean okay i I, th- I think about it this way sometimes right in terms of success rates in a game like this where you know you're better than the opponent or say for the cal game right you know you would expect your team to do better on every play. Every play that lines up, you expect Oregon to do well. Realistically, what happens in a game where you're where you're that overmatched for an opponent 
uh, is like 60, 70% success rate. I mean, 70 is like off the charts and that's close to what Oregon's been doing to a lot of these bad teams. Um, if not, you know, Oregon might be doing better than that against a lot of these teams. Uh, like that's what your expectation really should be, right? Is like 70, 75% success rate if you want to get freaky with it. I would be, I would not be shocked if Oregon has like a 90% success rate against this Colorado team. I mean, I know it's still football and that that kind of stuff statistically just doesn't happen, but I mean, it's, it's going to get interesting. Um, you're officially allowed to be very, very annoyed with like anything Oregon does wrong in this game. So we'll see how motivated Colorado are for this game. We'll see how much energy they come out with. They got plastered by Arizona State last week, which is another lame duck situation. And like, the, Or not a lame duck, it's fired coach situation. So, I mean, the, this team is unequivocally bad. There is no saving grace for them. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Anything else? I think in the larger context, it's nice that I mean, this is going to put Oregon to 8-1. and one. I don't even really feel the need to knock on wood about this game. Like, there's yeah. – it feels like there's simply no way. Uh, and I'm not even scared saying that. Like, so, Oregon preseason win total was eight wins. Uh, it looks like – or it was eight and a half wins. Oregon's going to be at eight after this game. And mm. the Ducks are favored against every one of the opponents left on the schedule lines are already out for the washington game oregon's favored by 10 and a half the line for the utah games all the way up to oregon favored by six uh and i don't believe we have one yet for the oregon state game to end the year but that's i mean it's ducks are in a good position right i mean yeah even going into the year i would have taken this obviously but uh, especially after week one. It's been a really, really impressive turnaround. Yeah, this <laughs> this game shouldn't be close. We shouldn't have to worry about it. Uh, what I do want to worry about is some Pac-12 spreads. So let's look at our picks from last week. Um, Utah had a weird game against Wazoo, but they, they still... Did they cover that? Or did they only win by like four? Do you remember? Um, they did not cover it. So oh, God, brutal. All right, well, um, USC 15 and a half against Arizona. That that one you got right. Uh, Arizona kept it close. Um, Arizona State beats Colorado, doesn't cover. I think there was like a last-minute return of some sort, uh, like a punt return that, that covered that one. And then UCLA squashed Stanford. Um, so good, decent weeks for both of us, you know. Um, I think I'm three and one. I think you're two and two. Uh, I'm slowly whittling away back at your record but i'm still in the negative um this week should we start with the oregon state washington yeah yeah let's do that that's that's the best game this week definitely uh huskies favored by four and a half in seattle 7 30 friday night um oregon state ranked washington almost ranked both three and two in the pac-12 both six and two overall uh, this should be a really good game. I'm excited for it, especially Washington's passing game against Oregon State's really good secondary this season. Um, who, do you, who do you have in this one? 
I'm going back and forth definitely uh, on no truck stops earlier this week. I started out picking Washington. I flipped my pick to Oregon State. I am back and forth definitely. I think that big factors are like looking outside of the matchups. It's, you know, Washington has the home field advantage, obviously, and that's reigned supreme in the conference this year. On the other side, though, the weather could be a big factor in this game. It's supposed to be mm. very rainy and very windy. And I think that Oregon State has an advantage in their run game, definitely, after stumbling into Damian Martinez as their lead back, uh, because Washington's really struggled in the run game. But even without the weather as a factor, I think that a big matchup that could favor Oregon State is their secondary has been really good this season. Uh, they held Caleb Williams to, I think, 180 yards in that game. Uh, and obviously, people remember that ending 17-14 in favor of USC. It was a great performance defensively from the Beavers. Washington is a really good offense, but you know, not even on the level of USC, uh, which isn't a slight necessarily, but... Uh, if Oregon State can replicate something like that performance and run the ball well, uh, I think they definitely have a good chance in this game. So I'm torn back and forth. I think I'm going to go barely with Oregon State uh, to win, but it is as close to a toss-up as any game I've felt this season. Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I'm going with the Beavers. Um I just have a feeling about this. I have a feeling Oregon State is going to win their next two games, drop a road game to Arizona State, and then play us really well in Corvallis in the last game of the season. Because that's just what they would do. Um, so, yeah, I'll take the Beavs against the spread as well. This is your game of the week, right, that you're writing up? Yeah, exactly. Definitely Sweet. excited. Um, Wazoo is also four and a half point favorites, except they're at Stanford. Uh, Read the Stanford tree is suspended for stating the obvious <laughs> that Stanford hates fun. Uh, I'm sure you have a take about this, and I would love to hear it. <laughs> I only read like a very briefly about what exactly that was about. I think it was some parties were suspended on campus or something. Um, that, that's my understanding. What yeah. whatever it is, I'm upset because i do like the stanford tree i think that he deserves to <laughs> be out there uh it's a fun mascot so i'm pro stanford tree i'm upset with stanford for the suspension yeah same uh for that reason i'm, I'm taking the coog against the spread even on the road without the support of the tree stanford can't hold up uh, i think exactly <laughs> This one's really confusing. I mean, Washington State, I will lean back on. They have turned into the team that w beats bad teams and loses to good teams. Uh, and Stanford, I don't think, is a good team. I think Stanford is a bad team. So I will go with Washington State to win and cover, <laughs> I guess. I like that reasoning. I will <laughs> say, though, I think the Washington, the two Washington schools have probably fallen from grace the most this season in the Pac-12. Um, I mean, remember when all four of the like Pacific Northwest schools had one combined loss and it was to Georgia to start the season. Um, yeah, it was pretty fun, but no longer. Yeah. Yeah. We're long past that. Um, so yeah, I like that pick. Uh, I'll give you the board. Where do you want next? 
I will go, I'll just run in order here. I'll go with Arizona at Utah. This is a really interesting game because of the injuries for Utah. Uh, that is contrasted, of course, with their home field advantage that's been pretty dominant. And I think it could be a trap spot. Honestly, I was contemplating making this like uh, an upset pick uh, before I saw the line. I thought it might be like, you know, 12 or 10, but it's all the way up at 17 and a half. And I think maybe, I don't know what that says. Maybe it's knowledge that rising is going to play. Maybe it's just some underlying power rankings about the, both these teams. Um, I think it could, you know, if rising isn't out there though, Arizona can put up some points, I think on any defense in this conference uh, and mm -hmm. Utah's offense without rising I don't think they really want to get into a shootout. Uh, but if Rising plays, I'm not worried about it. So I think I'll go with Arizona to cover the 17 and a half, but I don't think they'll win. Oh, I'm going to pick Utah. Um, I, I agree with you that Arizona can put up points, but this is just a game that Utah is always going to blow out Arizona in. Uh it's it's a home game against a non-bowl team like utah over the past what four three or four years like should be winning that every single time also i think there's like a thing especially with arizona coming to rice eccles where they like never play well um so i don't know despite all the logical points you just made i'm gonna pick utah to cover uh if they have the pig farmer trotting out there though i might be in in deep trouble for this one but i guess we'll see uh ucla are 10 and a half point favorites against arizona state i'm picking ucla as a road favorite uh even against this spread mostly because up until about 15 seconds ago i thought they were 14 and a half point favorites and mm -hmm. i was really thinking about it so yeah 10 and a half i give me the bruins i picked this as an upset on no truck stops i'm gonna stick with that uh I don't really know why. That's, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just I just think someone in this top four has to lose. And this feels like I still don't completely trust this UCLA team. Feels like it could be a shootout spot. But honestly, there's not that much great logic behind it. It's more of, more of just a loss has to be somewhere in this conference. And I guess I'll go with Arizona State to, to cover and you know, to win, given the odds, right? <laughs> not, not like I would actually put money uh, minus, you know, one ten for them to win or anything. Uh, and of course, as it is with the rest of these top four teams, it would be the first loss by any of those top four Pac-12 teams to any team below that line. Exactly. Um, it's pretty insane to think about. Uh, Cal at USC doesn't seem like a great candidate. It's the largest spread of the week in the Pac-12. Um. I'll let you pick this one first because I, I straight up don't care. Yeah, I'm going to go with Cal to cover 21 and a half. But I, right. I don't, I don't have USC. much faith in them winning. But the defense is fine. I think the offense with odd and stuff, garbage time, could, could find a backdoor or whatever there. But, yeah, I, I don't think they can really pose a threat. Hope I'm wrong, though. Yeah, I'll pick Cal or I'll pick USC to be opposite of you. So uh, let's hope we turn it around. I think I was wrong. I think we both went 
two and two this week. I don't know. Whatever. I, I got to tabulate it up later. Anyways, um, we're both floating near 500, so let's hope we can keep that up. Don't take advice from us. Don't actually bet on this. If you bet on the Pac-12, you, you have, I don't know, you have bigger fish to fry. Um, Reed, let's talk about this weekend because there's a lot of important and good games around the entire country this weekend. Uh, I mean, I think we have to start at the top with Tennessee-Georgia. Depending on which ranking system you use, this is a 1-2 game uh, or a 1-3 game. Georgia being the three and eight-point favorites at home is is something <laughs> interesting, but I already talked about my caveat for those things. Who do you think wins this game? Why is this game so intriguing? I think Tennessee's offense can score is why it's intriguing, uh, and it I think Tennessee's offense can score on anyone pretty much, uh, and that puts a lot of pressure on Georgia to show up and execute. Uh, and Georgia has played with their food a bit at times this year, but when they've had to turn it on, they've done a really good job of that. So I expect to see Georgia come out and do that again. I expect Georgia to win the game, especially at home, but I'm intrigued, right? Uh, I mean, it's rare that we see either Georgia or Alabama be vulnerable. Like we saw that a few weeks ago in this Tennessee game and they ended up pulling it out think they could do the same thing in a high scoring game uh but i don't know if i trust them to uh, what's your read on this game oh, i don't know man it's funny because the the matchup a lot of people are going to point out immediately is tennessee's offense versus georgia's defense just because georgia had the best defense of all time last season and tennessee has an insanely good offense this season Pro- probably the best in the country maybe Ohio State has something to say, but I think those are the clear two. I think the difference in this game is going to be on the other side of the ball. If Georgia's defense gets a couple stops and then Tennessee's defense can't stop Georgia, like I think this game might get over pretty quickly because, I I mean, Tennessee, from what I understand about their offense, is in high gear pretty much all the time. Like That's how they get their yards. That's how they score points is by like completely spreading the field and running four verts on every play. Um I know it's more nuanced than that, but bear with me. Um, I feel like Georgia might be able to control the line of scrimmage a little bit better. And on offense, if you can do that with a lead, that's a recipe to win. Um, so if I were a betting man, I would probably just take the under on this one and root for my dogs to win. Uh, this is a great time to have that Georgia fandom in the back pocket, by the way. Because uh, this is the exact type of game where I don't want to... You know, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to be nuanced about like who I'm rooting for in relation to to Pac-12 like playoff stuff. Uh, maybe you want to as a listener or or as yourself, Reed. But um, I don't know. We'll be watching this at the same place, and I'll be screaming for the dogs. So, yeah. I think it's better for Oregon if Georgia wins in terms of just perception, uh, and I'm not sure how it will work out in the nuances of the playoff math. And I'm not that concerned with that right now uh, because, you know, I I don't think this is Oregon's big shot of the national title, right? Uh, It would be fun Mm. to get in the playoff. Maybe if the team is able to get through these games, but I'm not going to be, you know, lose sleep over it. If Oregon ends up in a new year, six bowl bowl at all. So I don't care that much about it, but, uh, and, and there's an argument 
for both sides if you're going down that route because Georgia winning this game, well, it you know might make Oregon look better. Uh, Tennessee, if it's remotely competitive and they win out the rest of their SEC games, they will, you know, they'll have to play Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. So not that hard of a schedule. Fearsome schedule. <laughs> and and if Georgia wins this game, that means Tennessee won't be in a SEC title game. So, I mean, honestly, if you're Tennessee – and I know they would never do this, but part of me is like, you know, if you have a late field goal to win the game, maybe just miss it and take a close <laughs> loss. And like, if you show up the next three weeks, you're going to the playoff and you don't have to be exposed to playing <laughs> Bama. Um, I, mean, I don't know. I think, I yeah. think that's a little, I think you're galaxy braining this. <laughs> Pro- probably. But I mean, the point is like Tennessee's Tennessee's path to the playoff, if they lose is very clear still. Uh, if it's remotely competitive and so in that respect like it takes up an extra spot for Oregon whatever but the other side of it is just like I think you just want Oregon to look good whether it's like they actually get in the playoff or not it's just nice to be like oh Oregon lost badly but they lost to the best team in the country Uh, and if Tennessee were to win this game that would be a little bit of a hit to how we all viewed that Georgia game to start the season. But I'm just excited for a good game. I'm not going to be too torn up either way. Uh, and the flip side, if Tennessee wins the game, I don't even know what that does for Oregon's playoff chances exactly. I mean, I think it's similar in that you're still behind both of these SEC teams. Uh, and it's a similar situation that Georgia probably would miss the SEC title game tennessee would go on but georgia obviously would still be in with one loss over oregon so yeah it'll be interesting to see if three sec teams can squeeze their way in i just uh, don't have that much faith in bama right now honestly i could be wrong like i know many many people have said that before uh but i i mean i didn't last year either but i just feel like there's gonna be another loss on there whether it's in the regular season or the uh title game pack or uh, sec title game perhaps this weekend might be their loss excellent transition read <laughs> uh they play ls they play at lsu this weekend which is never an easy game especially when lsu is apparently a top 10 team um maybe more like 17 according to other polls but anyways um that i mean that's the thing man like you can get one good matchup a week in the Pac-12, it's really hard to get two um, that are of this magnitude. I mean, it's hard to – you can't ever get one that's of, like, Georgia-Tennessee magnitude this week. But, I mean, the Alabama-LSU game might be the best Pac-12 game of the season if it were in our conference, and it's not even the best of the week in the SEC, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, so, yeah, that, that'll be a really good game. I believe that one is in the middle of the day, but I can't exactly remember – um or maybe it's the the later game i i don't know i'm not sure um what else from this week is catching your eye yeah you mentioned that bama lsu game obviously that's a big one i definitely think bama wins but would be excited if lsu won i guess uh otherwise i mean i think texas kansas state is an interesting one for Mm -hmm. sure texas is favored in that game 
Uh, and it again kind of, well, it, I mean, if Texas wins that game, all of a sudden TCU is completely isolated alone atop the Big 12 with no one else threatening them in terms of national perception. Uh, and mm-hmm. TCU themselves ha- are a single-digit nine-and-a-half-point favorite against Texas Tech. Like, that is a losable game. Um, another big one, hit on it earlier, but really big one actually for the Pac-12. Maybe the biggest game of the weekend that doesn't involve a Pac-12 team is the Clemson-Notre Dame game. The fact that mm-hmm. Clemson is a three-and-a-half-point favorite only here is really interesting to me. I still don't really understand what these models are seeing in Notre Dame. Um, I I just point-blank, I don't see it. I don't think that the Syracuse yeah, team they beat is very good. The BYU win, not impressive. North Carolina arguably might be their best win of the season, um, but it probably is, in my opinion. Uh mm-hmm. They lost to Stanford, who Pac-12 fans should know is not a good team. So this is... That was only three weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, this is an indictment on Clemson that they're somehow only a a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I hope that line is close to being right. Uh, I This is one of the rare instances that I will root for Notre Dame. It doesn't happen (laughs) often at all, but I'm going to be doing it this weekend. Um, I can't, I thought you were gearing me up for another Tulane at Tulsa joke. Um, <laughs> but that, that one's at 9am. That is quite literally, I mean, there are two games maybe worth even looking at on the, uh, well, maybe three in the early slate. Like this is a bone dry early morning slate. Um, you got Florida at A&M, which is not really interesting for football reasons, but more so for like off field you know, coaching narrative reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, Tulane at Tulsa, I already mentioned. I mean, Tulane is ranked and they're a good G5 team. Texas Tech at TCU is one I'm keeping my eye on. I believe TCU are less than double-digit fa- I think they're only single-digit favorites at mm-hmm. home in that game. Uh, and, of course, they're right above Oregon in the rankings and they're undefeated so far. So that's something to look after. You mentioned the Kansas State game. Like, TCU and Kansas State are the only two – like, those are the two leaders in the uh, clubhouse in the Big 12 right now. They're the only teams with fewer than one conference loss uh, at all. So, keep an eye on that, I guess. Maybe, I mean, Oklahoma State at Kansas, but it's almost at the same time as the Ducks and Georgia in the middle of the day. Uh, and Wazoo Stanford. I mean, how could you miss that? Yeah, I'm not seeing a ton else on this schedule. Um, maybe some scores to keep an eye on, like Michigan State and Illinois at that same time. Uh, that that could be kind of, I don't know, can Illinois play like a, a genuine, genuinely like at least mediocre Big Ten team and get a win? I guess we'll find out. Um, but yeah, dude, Illinois is going to play Ohio State in that Big Ten title game. I don't think the world is prepared for that. I'm not prepared for that. um other than that i don't really see a ton of other games uh that i'm interested in this weekend florida state miami rivalry game same time as clemson notre dame maybe worth it's a a a third screen after the pac-12 ones but um yeah man anything else i think that pretty much does it yeah it's obviously a short one given the two games we're looking at but 
Ducks in a good position yeah. still. Excited to to get into some of these big games down the stretch. Yeah, it should be fun. Hopefully the Ducks can hang on and beat Colorado by like 50 points. Um, the spread is something like 32 now. It's it's risen like three points since it came out. But um, either way, have a good weekend and go Ducks. Go Ducks.